Do you like listening to paranormal stories? Of course you do. I'm Andrew Tate, and along with my co-host Brandon Lanier, we cover all sorts of spooky stuff on our podcast, Odd Trails. That's right. Odd Trails features plenty of bizarre stories involving the weird and unknown. We've got everything from hauntings, sightings of demons and cryptids, unexplainable premonitions, and all things strange. We jump right into sharing the experiences our listeners submit to us and save all of the banter until the very end. But don't forget to stick around to hear what we have to say. What happens if they do forget? Probably nothing. I was just making a suggestion. And a fine one at that. Odd Trails is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. among others, John Keel, once wrote, If you can look far enough into the empty sky, you would be able to see the back of your own head. There are some days that I simply cannot stop thinking about that line. Maybe today is one of them. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the latest installment of Monsters Among Us. I have one hell of a program coming at you this evening. A good mix of a little bit of everything, I'd like to say. But I think that's enough hints for now. Because I certainly wouldn't want to spoil anything. So let's just say, I think you'll be pleased with tonight's lineup. And since this thing is jam-packed with spooky stories, let's go ahead and just get started. Kicking us off this evening, we venture to the Empire State. James, welcome to the program. Hi, my name is James, and I'm from uh, Queens, New York. Uh, I'm calling because I had a paranormal experience on a cruise ship. I should just say right now, even though I'm about to tell you a ghost story that I'm involved in, I don't believe in ghosts. Just wanted to start with that. But, um, so, uh, back in 2012, I was on a cruise ship. I was on the Norwegian Star. I was with my friends John and Glenn sharing a room together. I don't remember what room we were in, but we were, like, 23 and very broke, so just sort by price on Norwegian Star and whatever the lowest priced one is, uh, that's the one we were in, probably. And just to give you an idea of the layout of the room, if I was laying on my bed with my feet facing the door, 
John was to my right in another bed, and Glenn was in the bed above me, in a bunk bed because we were in a very cheap room. So one night after we were out drinking with all the people we met, it was like four in the morning, we were all asleep, and I just kind of randomly woke up, and I could have swore I saw this big figure staring at John. And I thought, you know, maybe it was pitch black a bit, there was no windows or anything like that, so I thought maybe Glenn went to the bathroom and couldn't get back to his bed because it was so dark. So, you know, I said, hey, Glenn. And I see the person look over at me. And I was like, hey, Glenn, you need to turn the light on. And suddenly this figure starts reaching for my seat. So I start, you know, kicking and kicking. And I was like, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I start, like, reaching for the wall so I could turn the light on. And eventually I get the light on and I look and there's absolutely nobody there. I look over to my right. I see John is sleeping. I get up and I look at the bunk and I see that Glenn is up there sleeping. And I was like, what the hell was that about? But I, I managed to get back to sleep even though I was very, very freaked out. And then uh, the next morning, uh, John, Glenn, and I are uh, are eating breakfast together. And John says, you know, it's, it's the weirdest thing. I could have swore I saw one of you guys staring at me from the foot of the bed, but uh, I turned the light on. There was nobody there. Oh my God! You know, I, I told him exactly what I just told you, and we both properly freaked out together. And uh, you know, so that's that's my story. And, and by the, whenever I tell my friends this story, they're like, "Oh, how much were you drinking that you saw that?" No, I was drinking Captain and Coke. You know, not freaking ayahuasca. That's not how alcohol works. But um, but yeah, so that was uh, that was the story, and. Uh, still freaks me out to this day even though as i said i still don't believe in ghosts i don't know how to explain what happened but uh thank you for listening thank you sir now the idea of a big boat like that out and bobbing around in the open water well, frankly it's maddening enough without thinking about shadowy spirits that watch you slumber you know, that old situation is probably something I'll likely pass on. Because as I mentioned back in the Titanic piece a few weeks back, I am not a fan of water. It freaks me right out, in fact. In the wrong situations. Which is, frankly, a majority of them. It concerns me so much that I was about to make the claim that I would never set foot on a cruise ship. But I just recalled that I already have. Four or five years ago, Sarah and I spent a night on an infamous ocean liner. Now, I only agreed to it because the ship is permanently docked in the harbor of Long Beach, California. Of course, I speak of the infamous RMS Queen Mary. And for those of you unfamiliar with this legendary vessel, this is what the Travel Channel has to say about it. In the 1930s, the RMS Queen Mary was the ultimate luxury liner. Big names of the day like Winston Churchill, Greta Garbell, and Clark Gable all journeyed across the Atlantic on her majestic decks. When World War II broke out, the Queen Mary was painted gray and redubbed the Grey Ghost to ferry soldiers to the front lines. Today, you can find her docked off the port of Long Beach, California, where she now serves as a floating hotel. But before you book... Beware. The ship's 1,001 transatlantic crosses of yore were accompanied by 49 recorded deaths. Today, as many as 150 spirits may still call the Queen Mary home. 
Some notable residents include a crew member who was crushed to death by a watertight door, a woman dressed in all white who dances by herself in one of the luxury suites, and several adults and children in 1930s-era garb whose apparitions have been spotted wandering the pool decks. Watch out for drastic temperature changes, slamming doors, knocking, screaming, lights flickering, and children crying, all aboard the ship that's earned its reputation as one of the most haunted structures in America. Now, we didn't experience anything out of the ordinary on our visit. But then again, we didn't stay in the infamous room B340. The Queen Mary, long known for its paranormal activity, and if these walls could talk... Many, many stories and legends revolve around this room. Legend says room B340 has a checkered past. While she was still sailing, there is a story that a man was found dead in his cabin. She sailed from 1936 to 1967 before resting at the port of Long Beach, becoming a hotel. Story is the housekeeper came in and put fresh sheets on the bed. Uh, she went out in the hall to get clean towels. When she came back, the sheets had been pulled from the bed and were laying in a pile on the floor. Nobody else was near? No one else was around, no. It was the mid-1980s, and that's when this room was closed to guests, until now. Every day I walk the ship, I see guests, and they want B340. Now it's two rooms combined into one suite. It'll come with some amenities that are not in any other state room, such as some Ouija boards and some tarot cards. And for the right price, you could stay here overnight if you dare. Now that clip courtesy of CBS LA, CBS News 2 out of LA, one of my local stations. And I think maybe that's a room I wouldn't mind spending a night or two in. But starting at 500 bucks a night, I'm afraid I'll never get to find out if it's haunted or not. Because I'm not paying that. But the Queen Mary holds a place in my heart regardless. Not only is it nearby where I live, but I also grew up hearing stories of when my great-grandmother stayed there in the late 60s or 70s. My grandparents had a Bakelite or early plastic model of the ship sitting on their mantle that she'd brought back for them. And of course, all those kids would constantly be playing with it. And you know, that's an item I hoped I would have got my hands on when they passed. But likely, one of my 50-some cousins got a hold of it. So I bought my own on eBay. That'll show them. Anyhow, if you get the opportunity, go to the Queen, rent a room, walk her decks, and set an alarm for 3 a.m. Walk up and down the halls, and listen carefully for the ghosts of yesterday's glory. The history there is thick, the atmosphere is heavy, and apparently there's a ghost or two still hanging around. I didn't even have time to tell you about the swimming pool. But we'll save that one for another time. Until then, thank you again, James, for sharing your entry. Now, our next submission this evening takes us to the opposite side of the continent, the eastern shores of Florida, to be specific. Jess, welcome to the program. Hi, Derek. This is Jess from Cocoa, Florida. This happened about a week ago. 
almost exactly actually. I thought it was weird and I can't find online exactly what it was. I don't think it's anything super strange, but I saw some lights in the sky and they looked like spotlights just moving back, but there was way too many in the sky moving back and forth and it was really late at night. Everything was closed in this area. There's no carnival in town and where the lights were like straight above was kind of over like the street and a housing complex. I looked it up and the only thing I could find was stuff about the SpaceX, but those aren't the lights I saw. Mine kind of looked like just continuous moving lights over the clouds. It was a very cloudy night. I'm sure it could have just been some spotlights, but like I said, I couldn't find anything about anybody having spotlights in town or that many, to be honest. It's just weird. It didn't freak me out too much, but I'm going to email the video clip just because maybe you might know what it is. Maybe you'll be able to find it. I'm not that good at looking things up without context, but I know you get to find things. But thank you so much. Well, thank you for this show. I really love it. I'm binge watching it. I love to listen to it at work. I work night shift and I've got some spooky stories. Also, I might call back, but thanks. Bye. Thank you, Jess. You know, Cocoa Beach is right across the Indian and Banana Rivers from Cape Canaveral, Florida, where NASA has been launching things into space for nearly 73 years. So perhaps it's not all that unusual to see something strange in the sky around those parts. Now I managed to find the video that Jess refers to in her call, and you can find it in the show notes, of course. And I do encourage you to take a look. But for those of you that aren't going to, she did a pretty good job of capturing the phenomena. You can see, just as she describes, a series of white lights seemingly zip through the clouds. You can see a tree or two in the foreground which offers perspective. And the clouds in the background have that familiar yellowish-orange glow that results from nearby light pollution. So I'm assuming this was filmed somewhere near town. Now, I've watched the video a dozen times by now, and I believe I know exactly what it is we're looking at here. And sadly, it's not alien beings from a distant world. No, having lived in the heart of Los Angeles for a decade, I'm quite familiar with this site as well. I believe that what Jess captured on video that evening was simply a promotional spotlight, or rather a series of promotional spotlights to be more specific. The light's movement and its reaction to the clouds is identical to not only what I've experienced, but what I found available for rent. There are several companies out there that rent these massive lights to attract attention to circuses and club openings, or, in my experience, film premieres. Now these lights are attached to a swivel system and then mounted on the bed of a pickup truck, so they can operate while parked or mobile but no permanent setup is needed. Now I've linked to just such a company who features a number of videos that show these lights in action, as well as another similar video that I also suspect to be distant searchlights. And I did hear what you said, Jess, about it being late, and I'm sure that eliminates a lot of use for this sort of promotional tool. But nightclubs, dance clubs, what have you, they're open until 2 a.m. in the state of Florida. So unless it was later in the evening than that, I think I'm going to stand by my guess. 
And you know, even if the origin of the anomaly is not otherworldly, it's still good to get answers. And like I said, just did a great job of filming whatever it was. So thank you again, Jess, for sharing your experience. Now you might be thinking to yourself, I have a story that's perfect for this sort of thing. Well, as long as it's a true story, send it to our hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-NIGHT. Or if you're ringing in from long distance, just record a voice memo on your phone and email it to me at monstersamonguspodcast at gmail.com. And just a quick reminder to folks, while I'll always accept written submissions, I'm not sharing them currently on the show. So if you've sent your story in written form in the past, maybe consider resubmitting and calling in this time. That way we can work it into the rotation. Now I'll do something with those written submissions eventually. So regardless of how you send them in, keep them coming and thank you for doing so. Now next up, we work our way west to the state of Oregon. Vinny, welcome to the show. Hey there, Derek. My name is Vinny. I'm out here in Portland, Oregon. And my story that I would like to share is is not really a monster story. I think it's, I mean, it is paranormal-ish, I think. Uh, Definitely, you know, has more of a psychic side to it, I guess. Uh, maybe other listeners might have had something like this happen to them before as well. But uh, it's neat, regardless. So, here it goes. Okay, so, I was at my day job. You know, I'm busy with my work. I'm a lab technician at a dental laboratory. I'm sitting there working, and I'm, I'm focused on my job. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm working with tools. I'm looking at, you know, these models of impressions and, and working with that stuff. So, I'm, I'm locked in. Like, I'm... I'm not thinking of anything else and just this is what I'm seeing. Suddenly, you know, all of a sudden I, I start seeing like flashes of images and uh, it's just weird. It's just, I'm, you know, I wasn't even thinking of this stuff and all of a sudden I start seeing, you know, my aunts, family members, you know, I, they're not my family. So it's just, it's family of family and I see, I see her brother. And he's sad. He looks like he'd been crying, but he's he's very he's emotional looking. He's looking down. Uh, I start seeing more flashes of of other of family members of my aunts, and uh, they're also, you know, sad and shooken up, you know. And and uh, as the images keep coming of all these different people, I I start to realize, oh man, this is a uh, there, some something happened. Like something happened to them. And I see my aunt as well, and she's in the mix of all these people, and and they're all trying to, you know, console each other and and take care of each other. And um, I realize, oh man, their mom died. Like, their mom just just passed away. And and in that moment, I I snap out of it, and I'm I'm back to reality, and I, you know, I'm working again with the stuff, and I just, it's just a weird, like, what the heck? Why? Why would I? Why did I think of that stuff? That's, huh? <laughs> so I just, I, I kind of shake it off and, you know, I, I go back to work, uh, listening to my music and, you know, try to carry on with my day and, and just shake it off. I, Cause that was, it's like, what the heck? Why, 
uh, just strange. So, you know, I, I go, go about my day and maybe about two, two and a half hours pass there at work. And uh, I get a text, text message. And it's my, my sister, Nina. And uh, she asked me, hey, Vince, you know, did you hear about Thea's mom? And I reply back, no, which Thea? And she says, Thea so-and-so. And like there at work, I let, I let out a what? Because I knew like, man, I just thought of this stuff, you know, a couple hours back. So I, I text my sister back telling her the experience, the images that I see, the flashes of, you know, her family crying and everything. And, and uh, she also, she like, responds back with her text of like, what? That's crazy. What the? So just, just a strange, um, strange, sad and neat feeling all at once, you know, not really able to explain it, how those things, you know, came about in my head, uh, but just neat. I don't know. Kind of, kind of a neat thing. Um, well, I mean, that's it. <laughs> not very, uh, Ooh, that's, that's the surprise ending, you know, anyway, I'm going to start to ramble. Thanks. Thanks, Derek. Thanks for taking, taking the time to hear and, and share my story. My lady and I, we love your show. We appreciate all the, the hard work that you do and also appreciate all the callers who, who call in and share, you know, take the time to share and, and inform, you know, some of these tales and stories are, are, are very informative of, you know, just stuff that's out there that's beyond explanation. So pretty cool. Very cool. Uh, thank you. Thanks, everybody. Um, keep them coming. Take care. Bye. Thank you, Vinny. You know, premonitions are pretty wild. It seems they're often somewhat detailed, but without context, they really don't seem to be of much use. In most cases, at least. Now, I've been on the receiving end of a number of premonitions or visions in my lifetime, and that's something I don't admit lightly. Because I'm not one to think that I'm special or that I have a gift of any kind. But rather, I feel that this is something that all humans have the ability to do. It's just that most of us simply haven't figured out how yet, or that skill is still evolving. And you know, the ones that think they do have it figured out, well, they themselves are merely getting a glimpse of all that potential power. Now, this isn't the end of tonight's exploration into the world of premonitions and other psychic abilities. We'll revisit the topic and a few of my experiences later on in the program. But for now, thank you again, Vinny, for getting us started. Now, I know by now you've already heard me talk about the benefits of microdosing and how it can be life-changing for people who deal with issues like anxiety and insomnia, like myself. Well, tonight's show is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. And Microdose Gummies deliver the perfect entry-level doses of THC and CBD to help people experience the benefits of both without getting high from just one little gummy. Now, you heard me right. I mentioned THC. But don't get yourself all worked up. Microdose gummies are completely legal everywhere here in the United States. And while most hemp products only focus on the CBD part, microdose gummies harness the full power of cannabinoids and terpenes to give you the classic effects and benefits of THC in perfect balance with CBD, CBG, and therapeutic terpenes. 
and as a result, they help you chill out, manage pain, and sleep like a baby. Some people use them to help themselves get into the creative flow. I like to try one at the end of the day to help me unwind and relax. And that real fruit taste is pretty awesome. You can tell they're made with real Oregon-grown berries. Now, Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code MONSTERSAMONGUS to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show notes, but again, that's microdose.com and the code MONSTERSAMONGUS. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show, so thank you for listening. Now back to that creak you heard in the back of the room. Now this next entry is more of the hairy variety. At least I think. Please welcome Joe from New Hampshire to the show. Hi, Derek. My name's Joe. Uh, I'm from the New Hampshire area, uh, specifically Loudoun, And my story took place uh, mid-May 2021. So for backstory, uh, I'm avid into like target practice, sports shooting, that kind of thing. So I had just bought a new 12-gauge shotgun, and I have permission from a landowner in my local area to shoot on his property. So I was probably, let's say, a good thousand feet into the woods in a little area I set up as a like impromptu shooting range. And I took my new shotgun out that day. Uh, I, I'd have to say it was probably right around like two in the afternoon, something like that. And so I, I went out there with my new shotgun and I started doing my normal thing, you know, set up my targets and started shooting. And I'm sure, you know, guns are very loud and shotguns are no exception to the rule. So I got through about 50 shells of birdshot, just kind of doing target practice. And before I uh, could reload for my next set of uh, shots, I was standing next to this hill where I set up and right over the top of it, I heard this noise that rocked me to my core to the point of which I've I've never been that scared in my entire life. Uh, I, I grew up in the country, out in New Hampshire, here, born and raised. I know the sounds that every animal that is local to my area makes, deer, moose, bear, uh, mountain lion when we get them, wolves, fox. I know it wasn't a screaming fox, but this thing, whatever it was, it had to be big. It was extremely loud. I had uh, hearing protection on, but my hearing protection uh, lets me hear the outside noise. It's got uh, like active sound filtration. So I had it turned up so that when I wasn't shooting, it was basically like I didn't have anything covering my ears so I could hear everything. And this noise was probably a solid two seconds. And it kind of went from like a low to a higher pitch like some sort of like almost scream at me and and what really stood out to me is the fact that it's like most animals as you know everybody pretty much knows they don't want anything to do with you so if you you know bump into a deer or something in the woods 
they typically see or hear you before you see or hear them and they take off they don't they don't want to mess around with you same thing goes with bear i've seen bear out there and they've taken off but whatever this thing was either came up on me up to the top of this hill after i shot off 50 rounds of 12 gauge or it sat up there while i was shooting and then it decided to make that god awful noise and i I will tell you i have never loaded a shotgun so fast in my life it made my heart sink it it was just bone chillingly terrifying and yeah i I loaded my shotgun and I, i grabbed my bag and i i booked it out of there as fast as humanly possible i've gone out there since but i've never had any other encounter thank god um but needless to say i'm not going out there anymore without something to kind of protect myself with because uh, I I don't ever really want to find out what made that noise because I've heard everything out here and and whatever it was was not something that we normally have out here so yeah I mean if you have any insight on any reports maybe of like strange screams or scream like noises in like the woods of New Hampshire. I would love to hear any information you have because I've talked to people and I've only gotten surprised looks and some looks that are like, they think I'm crazy, but I know I'm not and I know what I heard. But yeah, uh, I mean, and while I'm here, my girlfriend thinks she might've seen a Wendigo or a Wendigo right around June, July-ish of 2021. She was driving home at around 2 a.m. in Pittsfield, New Hampshire. Near her house, there's a large hill that she goes down with a large grazing field that I think was probably used for uh, cattle grazing. And she was coming down the hill at 2 a.m. in the morning and saw this large, pale-complexioned thing, like, in the field. And she said she hit it with with her high beams and... Whatever it was, like, it it disappeared in just spectacular fashion. Like, it it just was gone. And something that really stood out to me is my my girlfriend is one of the toughest, most fearless people I've ever met in my life. She kind of routinely goes on, like, midnight walks in the middle of the woods with no pass and a phone with 3% battery and no flashlight. So she's not really scared of much of anything. And whatever the hell she saw that night gave her nightmares. And the next time I saw her, she didn't want to talk about it. It rocked her so hard that she couldn't speak about it for a couple of days before she told me what she saw. And she said after that, for the the next week or so, that she felt like it followed her home. This field isn't very far from her house. She feels like this thing followed her. She she felt like it was watching her. But, uh, yeah, huge fan of the show. If you have any insight or any comments or anything on, on these stories, uh, I'd love to hear them. Uh, thanks. Have a good one. I uh, look forward to the newest episode. Bye. Oh, we get a little bonus story there at the end. Well, Joe, knowing what I know about the Wendigo legend... I seriously doubt that's what was seen that night, as that particular creature is said to be a winter demon. 
a zombie cannibal nightmare reserved for only the coldest, most dire months of the year. Winter is kind of its whole vibe. I would suggest, rather, that you look into an entity known as the Pale Crawler, a four to six foot tall, pale white humanoid creature said to only come out at night in areas near cave systems. It's a big pill to swallow, but we've had a number of reports submitted here over the years. So honestly, who knows? And who knows about that sound that you heard as well? As we all know, the wilderness makes all sorts of gnarly sounds. The problem is... Supposedly... So does Sasquatch. And speaking of that elusive, hair-covered giant... I spent a little time up in Bigfoot country this past weekend. Sarah and I met some friends up in Felton, California, near Santa Cruz, to do some camping. And if the town of Felton sounds familiar to you, perhaps the Bigfoot Discovery Museum was already on your radar. It sits right there off Highway 9. Or maybe perhaps you just saw it on the news. Santa Cruz County Sheriff's deputies are looking for your help to find Bigfoot, the stolen Bigfoot statue from the Bigfoot Discovery Museum in Felton. Apparently, somebody made off with it between 11.30 and 1 in the afternoon yesterday. The museum has been closed because of the pandemic. The statue right there is four feet tall. It weighs about 150 to 200 pounds. If you have any information on Bigfoot's whereabouts, you're asked to call the Santa Cruz County Sheriff's Office or 471-1121. Now that clip courtesy of KSBW, News 8 out of Monterey. And of course, Sarah and I had to stop. And I was shocked to see Michael Rugg himself in the flesh, standing behind the counter. He's been a staple in Bigfootery for decades. We had a good chat. He told some stories. I bought some stuff. Then we moseyed on back to the campsite. No Sasquatch sightings, however. But if you get a chance, stop by and visit with Mike. The man's a wealth of knowledge, and he certainly has some stories. And thanks again, Joe, for calling in. Oh, the missing Bigfoot carving was eventually found, abandoned alongside a highway in the area, and was happy to see that it was back safely when we made our visit. And speaking of buying stuff, we've begun restocking our merchandise shop, so many of those staples that you guys have been waiting for are now back in stock. And you know, this is really bad business practice, but I like it when you guys are happy. I'll come clean and say that none of the new stuff for Season 15 is available just yet. We're doing the best we can to get all this stuff ready and out to everyone, but things happen and projects get delayed. But hopefully soon we'll be able to announce all those new wares. So, in the meantime, buy now if you would like. Or just wait a few weeks and combine all that shipping. The choice is yours, but visit MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com and click the Shop tab to get started. Now next up, we hear from Chip. Over in Indiana. Hey, Derek, it's Chip calling again from Indiana. I was calling this time with a story of a hat man, and I'll get to why I think it's a hat man in a second. 
I was calling to let you know my wife had went outside. It was dark. I think it was fall, winter, somewhere around there of last year. She had been taking the dog out. She was out there with my daughter. And there happened to be someone standing, she said, in the corner of our yard. And if you've seen our house, we live up on a hill. And to the south side of us, there's a creek that runs down below. It's about a 20-foot drop-off. And in the southeast corner of the house, there's a drop-off as well. And below that is a bridge that crosses the creek. But uh, she said that she saw the man there in the uh, southeastern part of the house. And it just frightened her, and the dogs, you know, was growling. And she said that uh, she wanted to know why he was there, so she called her out, "Hey, what are you doing?" And uh, the man just, I guess, just spoke out, "Hey," and just kind of almost repeated what she said, but it, it was just weird. She said that after she confronted him, he just vanished down the hill. But if you know our property, you can't just get through the. There's a ton of woods and brush and you know, thicket down there, you can't just run down that hill without tripping and falling and breaking your, you know, some kind of bone and and rolling down the hill. There's just no way it's possible to happen. So it just sounded more ghostly to me when she was describing it to me. But I mentioned my daughter was out there. She says, I believe that she told me that the eyes were red. So at that point now, I'm thinking more demonic, more sinister, an evil spirit type of being was possibly trying to you know get to my kid and my wife but um she ended up telling me that story and i went out there and i I looked around the property i looked for footprints couldn't find anything because at first i thought it was just a obviously an intruder and uh, it was kind of hard to understand how he would you know make it down the hill but we told you this was a hat man story because i hadn't talked to her she didn't tell me what this man was wearing she hadn't said anything description wise it was more or less that there was this man he was standing on the corner of our house you know he said hey he spoke audibly to her almost like mimicking her and then and ran down the hill so again i found that weird but before i asked her i wrote down on a piece of paper wide brim hat trench coat and then I asked her, I said, can you describe to me what you've seen this man wearing? Because I'm just curious. And she told me he had like a wide, it was like a witch's hat. So wide brim hat. And then she said a long, like raincoat. And I'm like, you mean like a trench coat? She's like, yes. And then I showed her a piece of paper. This ain't the first time that me and her have had correlating kind of happenstances where we kind of either... I know we know what we're thinking, but where we just were able to connect in a way that I I can't understand. Our dreams correlate sometimes, and I can tell you, get into those kind of stories later. But I just found it weird and kind of uh, crazy that I was able to kind of guess what she had seen without her ever telling me what it was. But I, I had a feeling it was a hat man because he's just a common you know, spirit that people see and the glowing red eyes also kind of gave it away because I've heard of that as well. But for him to get down the hill like that, he had to have been, it had to have been a spirit because a, a physical being would have, would have tripped or fell or whatever. But that's my hat man story. I just wanted to let you hear that and hope your audience enjoys it and keep at it. And just, uh, we enjoy what you do and, uh, keep up the good work. Thanks. Thanks, Chip. Those pesky hat men at it again.
Now, if this was truly another in a long line of Hatman or Shadowman sightings, then this is only the second I've ever heard that detailed the entity speaking. Not a trait typically attributed to these guys. Or perhaps that's something that disqualifies it as another of these shadow entity stories. Maybe instead some sort of prank or misunderstanding. Or simply just a full-bodied apparition. Regardless of what it was, we thank you, Chip, for taking the time to tell us about it here tonight. Let's run through one more entry here before we go to break. And this one might be one of the strangest I've ever played here on the program. All the way from the state of Texas. Please welcome our anonymous caller. Hi, Derek. I'd like to remain anonymous. This didn't happen to me. This happened to my friend. And this was in high school. So it would have been summer of 07. It was just a normal day. It was a sunny day. Um, my dad was pretty cool with kids coming over, so I kind of had the safe house where we'd all come over and just hang out. And so it wasn't really irregular for people to show up just out of the blue. So that day we were just hanging out at my house, and one of our buddies showed up. Just tell he had something on his mind, and it didn't take long for him to get into it, but uh, that's where he revealed this story to us that it had happened that day, that morning. I'll call him Ronnie. That's not his real name, but I'll call him that. We lived in Flower Mound, Texas. His summer job, this guy, he was a linebacker for our football team. He's a big, stocky Italian kid. So his job in the summertime, he was a mover. And they were doing a job in a town called Tyler, Texas, which is kind of a small town. And actually, the move was taking place outside of that town on some dirt roads. Uh, I don't exactly know where, but it was in the middle of nowhere from what he told us. Anyways, they're moving the sky out there to a trailer trailer house middle of nowhere outside of Tyler, Texas. And uh, when they got there, you know, sort of just a normal day, normal move, they start getting into it. My friend's at some point, he's taking something around the back side of the trailer and the grass is kind of tall, kind of unkept. And he glances over and notices a hand sticking up out of the grass, a human hand, and double takes it and walks right over to it and sure enough it's a dead guy so immediately he knows he has to get out of there there's something not right about this so he goes and it's just him and his boss on that move he goes and he tells his boss what he just found and his boss uh, comes up with a short plan he says all right go wait in the truck and i'm gonna tell this guy that you know we're gonna go on lunch and we're, we're gonna leave we're, we're getting out of here so ronnie goes and waits in the truck and his boss is just supposed to go in and tell the guy that be right back out well a few minutes passed ronnie said he's starting to smoke a cigarette he said he's starting to get worried because it's taking a long time he said he finishes that cigarette still not out he says he gets out of the truck and starts kind of pacing back and forth because he's starting to get worried like something happened and he doesn't know what to do he's freaking out miraculously he's looking around and he finds a baseball bat on the side of that trailer and grabs it his only option in his mind at that time is to march through the front door and uh, see what's going on. And so he does just that. He opens the front door as hard as he can. And the first thing he sees, I guess, how the trailer is set up is it's in the kitchen area. 
and his boss is tied up to a chair, bleeding from the head, and there's a broken lamp. So he goes towards him, and I guess there's a corner of the wall right before you get to him, and right before he gets his boss, the guy at the house that they're moving jumps out, and he has a gun. Well, my friend has that bat and just swings it and knocks him out, knocks him to the ground. Knocks, I mean, just, it, it's like something out of a movie. Hits the guy, hits him in the eye, and he says, He's beating this guy in the ribs with a bat, and he says he just beats the living hell out of him. And I'll explain the guy who who they're moving, who had the gun. So he was a middle-aged um, to older Caucasian man, and he was skinny. He wore really thick glasses. He wore shorts up to his belly button. Just looked almost just really kind of nerdy, like creepily kind of nerdy. So my friend, being a linebacker, it, it wasn't hard for him to overtake this man, even with a gun. He, and, you know, he definitely had to get lucky not to get shot. But he beat this guy down, untied his boss. They got out of there. They sped down these dirt roads to Tyler, Tyler, Texas, and went right to the police station and told the cops. The cops kept him in the police station and went out to this guy's trailer out there and um, came back and... I asked my buddy, I was like, so what, what did we know what happened? What did they find? What did they find out there? And my buddy, he said, when they went out there, they didn't find any evidence of a body in the backyard. This is what the cops were telling And there was no evidence in the kitchen of that trailer that any struggle had happened. And I asked my friend, you know, I was like, you, you really beat that guy with that bat? He said, yeah. I, I hit him in the ribs, it's, I mean, as hard as I can. But he was not getting up, you know? I mean, what would you do in a life and death situation? And so the guy wasn't there. The guy that my friend had beaten with the bat wasn't there. Nothing was there. The cops said no evidence was found. And so that was so weird. A week later, I would ask my friend, did the the cops ever get back to you? Did they ever find anything? My friend was like, no, they never got back to us. I would just periodically ask my friend, what what, what happened with all this? You know, this is a serious deal. And um, nothing ever came of it. It seems like something like that would be pretty serious, but... In my mind, either the cops were in on it or there was someone else out there that was able to clean everything up before the cops got there or there was something paranormal going on. I don't know how else to chalk it up. But uh, this really happened. Ronnie was not a guy to make stories up like this at all. Pretty serious guy, a tough guy. And uh, it freaked him out. And in my mind, one of the weirdest parts was that no evidence was found or seemingly I'll always keep this with me because it sounds like something that out of a movie anyways thanks for your time love your show Derek I listen every day bye thank you caller good lord sounds like something straight out of Breaking Bad or something and in hindsight your friend probably should have hit that guy a few more times I know I certainly would have And you know, I have to agree with our caller. It sounds a lot to me like the police department should be investigated here. I doubt a scene like that could be cleaned up in that short of a period. They're saying all the blood was wiped up, all the broken lamp pieces, the rope, the beaten up nerdy fella. Something fishy is going on here and something tells me that it's not paranormally related. And like I always say, There's absolutely nothing scarier than the human animal. Thank you again for sharing that puzzling 
entry. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. We all think we know ourselves, but the reality is we're all constantly growing and changing, which makes getting to know ourselves a lifelong process. And therapy can help you get a handle on what it is you really need to feel content in life by helping to deepen your self-awareness and self-understanding. Now, I found therapy has helped me unpack my emotions and reactions so I can make better decisions and be more at peace going forward. Therapy isn't just for people who have suffered trauma. It's for practically anyone on this roller coaster we call life because we all need support when navigating the ups and downs. Now, if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, and affordable. And for some reason, if you aren't vibing with your therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash Monsters Among Us today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Monsters Among Us. Now, as always, supporting our sponsor supports the show. So thank you for listening. Back to that thing that's rummaging through your garbage. Alrighty then. If you will, please welcome to the program, Heather, from the state of Pennsylvania. Hi, my name is Heather and I'm calling in from Pennsylvania. I have a story about a medium and it's the only one that I can honestly not explain. So this happened when I was about to get married. It was about four months out from the wedding. I had found out I was pregnant about 24 hours before this call. Me and my husband weren't sure if we were going to keep the baby. He was very insistent that we're not ready for this. We already had an unplanned daughter and now we had a second unplanned child on the way. So I was upset and I was sitting there. I had no idea that my mom was going to see this medium. She had met her a few times before. I didn't have any social media. There was no way. My mom didn't even know. Only me and my husband knew that I was pregnant. We weren't sure what we were going to do. So I got a call from my mom that night and she said, is there anything you want to tell me, Heather? I just had a meeting with Shelly. And immediately I had chills up my spine. I'm like, there's no way. So I said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And she said, she was so insistent that there was a baby right now coming. I said, well, maybe, you know, she thought it was just in a few weeks or a few months after the wedding. My mom was like, no, she said there was a baby now and the baby was coming and he was there in heaven with her mom and dad. So I don't have any explanation for that. I know it's kind of a short story, but there was just no way she would have known. I literally had just found out not even 24 hours before that phone call with my mom. I had no idea she was meeting with this medium. So yeah, I have no way to explain that, but her insistency that there was a baby now was like a big factor in why I decided, I mean, I was gonna keep him anyway, but that was just like set in stone that he's here and it's real. I know that was kind of short, but thank you for taking my call. Thank you, Heather. See? I told you we'd revisit the world of psychic predictions and other strange abilities. And I'd certainly say this is one of those. And this sort of thing happens more often than you would think, actually. 
My assistant Delaney sent over the following clip that I think helps demonstrate just how common this sort of thing is. It even happens on live television. Now this is a clip from just a few years ago from the morning television program, Live Kelly and Ryan. Nobody knew that I was pregnant. Nobody knew. We barely acknowledged it ourselves because, you know, when you're early pregnant, ladies, you just sort of keep it, you keep it in because you don't want to put it out what happens. Anyway, I'm filling in here. I was filling in as the co-host here. Not yet. No, I was host. not. Yeah, I was filling in for a fill-in, by right. the way. I wasn't even supposed to be here. So Regis was doing a co-host search. They were doing some week. It was psychic week. And I was filling in for the host that was originally supposed to be here because I believe her mother got sick. So I jumped in at the last second. Anyway, Char Margolis, who is here today, comes out, looks at me. Okay. Now again, wasn't like she could research me. I was, I was not supposed to be here. She looks at me and says, I'm picking up the letter D. She goes, your grandmother? Now, my grandmother's name is Esther, but everybody called her D. But, but I keep that in and I go, no. And she goes, is it E? Is it Esther? And I'm like, Ooh. and then she goes, she's, she's telling me that you're having a baby. And now I'm like, oh, do I lie to the psychic? <laughs> What's the we karma on that we if I lie to the psychic? Yeah, we weren't telling anybody yet. Our parents oh, yeah, yeah. don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm like, and, I'm, and yeah. we hadn't told anybody. Like, nobody knew. Our bosses didn't know. Nobody knew. So anyway, that's what I'm telling you. She's going to come out here and no, tell us I'm, that I'm, one I'm, of us is pregnant. <laughs> it, and it better not be me. If, <laughs> I don't know. To me, it sounds like the two stories are near identical and similar to a plethora of other incidents throughout human existence. Now, later on in the show, they actually played a clip from that November 1st, 2000 episode. Here is Ripa's live reaction to the psychic's message. I heard you say earlier that you're married and you have a husband and a son, so mm -hmm. she watches over your son, and she's also shown me another baby. And I don't... <laughs> and, and she's saying that she's going to watch over you when this new baby comes. And I... I, I, it's soon. It's it's not far away. You're Excuse not pregnant. Me, uh, are, yet, are you, you? expecting? <laughs> well, <laughs> I am I. <laughs> Is that a yes? Uh oh. I haven't told my boss yet. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Now earlier on in the episode, I'd mentioned that you'll hear more about my experience in the field of forecasting the future later on in the show. And I'm true to my word. And this is that part of the show. You see, not only am I an experiencer of this phenomena, but it also sometimes manifests in the form of pregnancy prediction. Now, I began writing out one of my experiences to share with you all here, but then something dawned on me. Why would you want to hear it from me when you can hear it directly from the person that I creeped right out? So from the state of California, please welcome my friend Kate. 
Hi, my name is Kate, and I am calling about my friend Derek. Derek Hayes. <laughs> You've heard of him. He's uh, got a great podcast, Monsters Among Us. So Derek and I have been friends for a long time. I uh, We worked at the same company um, in like the 2007-2008 and on range. And right around 2013, this would be, my husband and I had been married for a year. We decided we were going to try and get pregnant. We did. We were keeping it a secret because it was so early, like super early. And there was a night that Derek and his now wife, Sarah, were out with us because my husband was going to play at a bar. And he said to me, and I had already learned the tricks of like, you know, make it look like you're drinking because as soon as I don't look like I'm drinking, then it's a problem. I think I had like, I had something that looked like it was a vodka tonic, which is super easy, right? You just put some clear liquid and lime and say it's a vodka tonic and a straw uh, in a short glass, right? At this point, Derek's like, oh my God, by the way, I had the craziest dream last night that you were pregnant. And I was like, <laughs> that, that is crazy. And I remember I was at the time trying to be an actress and I was like, boy, I hope you act well here. And I like really like leaned in on the acting. I'm like, oh yeah, well, well, that would be amazing. Or, you know, I don't even remember, but I just remember like really leaning in on not going to give him an inch on this. <laughs> and there was a later time. So uh, the bottom line is we did end up, uh, my husband and I did reveal to Derek later. I was pretty sad. I actually was no longer working at the company. <laughs> there was a day that I went and I had told everybody that I was at, at the company. I'd gone back to visit everybody. And I was like week 11, day six. So I was about to be 12 weeks. I was going to have my 12-week ultrasound the next day. Uh, and it turns out that I walked around that office, told everybody I was pregnant. And it turns out when I went in for my ultrasound the next day, I'd lost the baby. And I'd lost the baby at like week eight and a half. But there was another time when we had been with Derek and Sarah. I want to say it was like, we were at like, I, don't, I just remember we were sitting down somewhere. And he was saying how like he could feel like if we had a girl, the name was going to be Cora. I don't remember how the conversation started. And I don't remember if it was for that first baby or for the baby that we ended up having. But it freaked me out so much because we decided that if we had a girl, we were going to name the baby Quinlan after my great-grandmother's last name. But my grandmother's last name was Cora. And, like, there was just it's one of those things, like, I don't know. It, it probably doesn't sound that spooky or... I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it was like, it really, I was like, what the actual, and I know it's not, it's not like he said, you're going to name the baby Quinlan, but there was something because Cora was the last name of my grandmother who was related to my, I mean, it just was, the whole thing was like, I don't know. Derek's just like, just felt like he was in touch with, strangely, women having babies. <laughs> Anyway, that's my story. I'm sticking to it, and that's really all I remember of it. But, yeah, if you ever want to know if you're pregnant or not, just ask if Derek had a dream about it. Thank you, Kate. You see, one of the crazy things here was that Kate, at the time, was very vocal about her choice not to have children. So, it's not as if it were something she discussed often or we were expecting. And the other crazy part is that that particular message, I guess I'll call it, came to me in dream form, rather than while I was awake and conscious like they normally do. In fact, I dreamt we were sitting at a bar that I was not familiar with, 
and she and her husband happily shared the news with us. Imagine my surprise when the next day all those elements fell into place. The only difference is she didn't say it. And you know, she wasn't my only victim at that office. Another friend of ours was excited to learn she was pregnant as well and told several of us in the office. And for some reason, when she told me, I blurted out that she's having twins. Not something I would normally do. But a couple weeks later, she learned what I seemingly already knew. Not creepy of me at all. And the thing is, I don't even do it on purpose. It's like that little voice in your head. Except mine sometimes seems to know things. Is that a coincidence? Perhaps it's merely chance. But the name thing that Kate had mentioned. I'd honestly forgot about that. That sort of thing has happened to me before as well. About 15 years ago, when my very good friends were about to have their first child, they refused to divulge the gender or the name that they had picked out. But they did tell me that I could guess. So I asked the voice in my head, and he said, Short name, two L's in the middle. So that's what I blurted out. I could tell that their faces changed. They played it cool mumbling something about how it didn't sound familiar. But a few months later, they welcomed Ella to the world. Again, accident, luck, or possibly science. Delaney also offered up the following information via ScienceDirect.com and the American Pregnancy Association. In a small study, 18 heterosexual men were exposed to the body odor of five pregnant women in five matched controls during ovulation. The men were able to determine if a woman was pregnant based only on her scent. Now, not only that, but subtle changes in physical appearance such as fuller lips, improved skin, and a pregnancy glow may also cue in outsiders to a woman's pregnancy. Well, knowing all that just makes it creepier. Again, not something I ever do on purpose. It's kind of an observation that I can't keep to myself, apparently. Anyway, thank you, Kate, so much for calling in. And we thank you, Heather, for the entry and the opportunity to share some of my own weirdness here with you tonight. And if I'm honest, I'm not super keen on sharing these stories. It's a hard thing to prove, and even trying sometimes can draw attention that you really don't need or want. But if our callers can be brave and call in, then I can share as well. Well, folks, that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes, Delaney Bowers, Anna Parsons, and Addie Lloyd. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. Please take the time to follow us on social media. We have accounts at Facebook, Instagram, and I think TikTok now. Oh, while you're at it, please rate and review the show. And give us a follow over at YouTube if you don't mind. Finally, tonight's score was provided by Iron Cthulhu Apocalypse, Co.AG Music, and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Thank you all so much for tuning in this evening. 
And if you don't already, listen to the full outro theme. I think you all enjoy the way that it ends. Have a good night. Now, maybe you're one of those listeners that always turns the song off at the end. Well, you have no idea what you've been missing. We've been meeting here for years. We call this the secret story, and it's here that I share some of the strangest calls that I receive. Just a little bonus for those patient enough to enjoy the atmosphere. And tonight's entry does not deviate from that path. Joining us from parts unknown, please welcome Emily to the program. Hey, Derek. My name is Emily, and my story takes place in Eastern Oregon in the summer of 1994. I was preparing to be a senior in high school, and I had recently taken up running. But because I am an introvert and I lack grace, I decided that I would run only at night so no one would see me. So on this night, it was probably maybe 10, 10.30, and... I had been running for quite some time before my friend had found me and decided that uh, she wanted to go for a cruise and that she would give me a ride home from the track. As we were walking towards her car, I found myself compelled to turn around. There was no logical reason for me to do this, but as I did, my eyes landed on movement within the sky. The movement came from a mass that matched the dark sky perfectly, and if I had not looked directly at it, there was no way that I would have seen it at all. This mass was kind of a nondescript sort of a black blob um, that was kind of undulating, and there was no shine, there was no noise, there was absolute silence. As I noticed this, this mass, the mass started to come towards me and ended up sort of hovering almost directly above me. I would say about 250 feet in the sky. Uh, My friend also saw this mass, but when she saw it, she ran and locked herself in the car, whereas I sort of walked towards it. Uh, I didn't feel in danger. I almost felt welcome in a strange way, but uh, as I was staring at this thing sort of throb in the sky, I felt very electric, like my, my whole entire body had sort of pins and needles or had fallen asleep, but I was not scared. And as I watched this thing, it comically split into to, like generic flying saucers, two of them, with each saucer having sort of a pinkish-orange light on them. Um, The saucers didn't have any other markings or windows or beings because I was definitely looking for them, but they were just discs. Just at that moment, a car was passing, and I took my eyes off of them for a split second to see this car pass, and when my eyes returned, they were completely gone. There was no sign of them in the sky at all. At that time, in 1994, 
I had no idea that MUFON existed. I, I didn't know what to do with such a sighting. So, you know, I told my mom, who sort of laughed me off. And only later, maybe in 2003, when the internet was more of a thing, did I make a report to MUFON. I couldn't find any other report that had any similar uh, attributes to it. I've never heard of anyone saying that they saw a fluid or, you know, plasmic flying object. I would like to connect with others who, if they have seen anything like this, because it's completely baffled me. I'm really grateful for the experience, but um, I would like, I guess, I guess I'm seeking validation that some, someone else has seen it. In my very creative mind, and when I try to kind of talk myself out of, of what it could be, I like to believe that it was a time traveler. <laughs> but um, I'd like to hear your thoughts. <laughs> Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Emily. Now, based on my years of experience, it almost sounds like she's describing the Ibani phenomena. Gargantuan gliders, plasma flyers, biological UFOs, whatever you want to call them. These things are sort of flying under the radar, no pun intended. But a couple of years ago, a German man captured something on video that sounds like it might be at least similar to what Emily reported. Something that also falls in line with that aforementioned phenomena. He shot the footage from his window seat aboard a commercial airliner. And I've linked to the video in the show notes. But essentially, it's a nearly translucent body floating in the sky that morphs and rotates like a cloud. But you can tell that it's not a cloud. It's a tough one to describe, frankly. So I suggest you go take a look for yourself. And have no doubt that we'll certainly explore this topic further at a later date. But until then, we thank you, Emily, for calling in. Now, if you will, kindly follow me over to the other side of the program where we continue to share story after story in a more laid-back and relaxed atmosphere. Now, if you'd like to join us for tonight's after show and some 80 hours of additional content, simply join our Patreon campaign at patreon.com or visit monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash Patreon. A $5 pledge gets you access to all of that bonus content and ad-free shows start at just $1. No, the end of one dollar. They're one dollar. Anyway, join us over in the beyond. And to kick us off this evening, we work our way to Utah, where Alex has a story waiting. Hey, man. My name is Alex. I am from Salt Lake City, Utah. The story I've been wanting to tell you happened back in 2016 when I was working at a warehouse here Salt Lake. I was working a night shift with one of my friends. His name is Kevin. So during that time, they were barely starting the night shift. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.